yo, what's that you got over there? Oh, it's the Brodo app. What are you going to do with that? I'm going to beat you in fantasy. That's basically what the conversation in with anyone would be. If you got the Brodo app, it is available now. We have everything you need. Everything. If you listen to this show, I'm not going to bore you with all the things that we have. Mostly because we have brand new things coming out so soon. Hooey. We're in the process right now, baby. Trust the process. It's it, it, this this app. Just trust me. Download it. Do it. Do it. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. I went sideways on that on that uh, intro for the app. Uh, I definitely went sideways. That you did. But you know what? I feel like I was going to say everything the app has. And then I'm just like, yo, we have so much in the works. It's not even like this is going to be like a, you know, you want your 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 advertisements to have like a shelf life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's not going to have much shelf life. So just get the app, people. Trust us. Um, and it's it's so like the upgrades since we bet we beta tested it. It's it's basically a whole new app since you beta tested it. If you beta tested it. Maybe you beta tested it and you didn't like what you saw. Well, it's a completely different app, so go ahead and download it again. Um, if you haven't downloaded it yet, you're you're wasting you're wasting time, folks. Valuable, precious minutes. Like it's, but yeah. we do that during the season. This is going to be a, not just an off-season app. This is this is going to be an in-season app. Everything you need is going to be constantly updated, constantly. Everything you need to win. We say this all the time. If you listen to us in the in the in the year, if you're 0 4, you're not out of the game. You've just begun the game, baby. We're 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 ready for everyone. We're ready for any situation. Um, and if you want us to continue to make this better, uh, make it faster, something we're working on, and make it even more crazy in every way. Patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy is where you can support the show. And you also get a ton of extras, including access to our uh, leagues, access to our family, the Brodo family over in the Discord. Um, you get to, if you go high enough, just get personal fantasy advice, advice from us in your DMs, just like throwing it in there. Um, there's so many things. Free giveaways. Wait, I, I'm missing one big one, I feel like. Oh, an extra episode. Duh. That is what that duh. Like that's the biggest that is, one. That is big, Tim. That's, that's the biggest one. Huge. Yeah. So uh go check that out. Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy and BrotoFantasy.com, as always. You know how it goes. All right, Michael. So today we have a very special, special guest coming on on the Real Recognized Real Hotline. Ryan McDowell, one of the the OGs of the Dynasty game. As you guys know, we are learning Dynasty as we go. Um, not to say that we won't eventually learn it very well because that's how you eventually learn things if you continue to do them continue to learn from your mistakes and learn from your successes um this which is why we we are so confident when we say you know we're experts at redraft because we i've been literally playing for 21 years um so like i have no doubt that i'm an expert at it um so we have someone who's that version of in Dynasty, Ryan McDowell uh, joining us. One of the creators of the Scott Fishbowl uh, has Dynasty content out the wazoo. Um, great interview with him coming up shortly. Um, but before that, there's a little update. There's some rumors swirling around. It's a little bit of a slow news cycle, but we got some rumors going with Julio himself. Michael, if you had the magic key to the Julio Castle, which team would Julio Jones be on? Um, the New York Jets from a fandom standpoint. Let me just put that out there. Honestly, no, I, I take that back. It would be fun to watch Julio Jones weekly as a Jet, but it would also make zero sense as a football I move. I don't think it would make zero sense. Give Zach Wilson... With the Jets rebuilding, it doesn't really make much sense. I give Zach Wilson someone to rely on, I think. that. But yeah, I think on last <laughs> week's episode, I said the Packers would be a great landing spot. Packers, Honestly, I think Packers is number one. Honestly, wherever Julio Jones ends up, 
he's going to command a very large target share. So hide your wide receivers from Julio Jones. If you're a, like, if you roster everyone except maybe like Devontae Adams, like he's a stud. So if he goes to Green Bay, I'm not really going to downgrade him, assuming Aaron Rodgers stays. Um, but more than likely, the number one receiver on that team is going to get a pretty significant downgrade in terms of fantasy production if Julio Jones goes there. With that being said, Julio is now 32 years old. Um, the injury woes just continue to pile on and wide receivers of his size and even of his caliber, like they start to really crumble once they hit around this age. And like people really love to buy, you know, the bounce back or not. I guess I wouldn't say a bounce back because he was still a star when on the field last year, but just buying into players like Julio Jones is it's really tough when it gets to this point in their career, because if someone were to offer me even odds that Julio Jones plays like 10 games next season, I don't even know if I take that bet because I'm not confident at all that Julio Jones plays 10 or more games next season. Cause I mean, the dude's an animal. He plays through a ton of injuries as well. Like I feel like his, his foot is always hurt, but he's playing through it anyways, but it's just, it's, I feel like wherever he ends up, it's going to skyrocket his ADP to like, yeah, Julio's going to dominate at this point. And I, maybe drafted Julio Jones once out of like 20 plus drafts last same. season. I feel like it's going to be the same for me this season, just cause I'm not trying to chase that older wide receiver, like hope that he plays 16 games because he's so good type of thing. I'd, I don't know. Like I'd rather go after a younger player who can produce, maybe not at Julio Jones's per game level, um, per se, because Julio is still a beast per game, but per game, per se, per game, more consistently, per se, per game, per, per se, se, per, per se, game. game, per se, per se. Um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, like, no offense to Julio, but he's never tickled my pickle in uh, in redraft leagues ever. I remember one time, Michael, I dra- I traded in an entire spot in the draft with you so that you can draft Julio Jones. Yeah, I think one of my uh, one of my best teams ever in our home league was. That year, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but the, he, Julio Jones was not a helpful in that endeavor. He missed a lot of games for you. He, he had. Do you know what he does? He goes into games and he leaves at halftime, and then he'll play next week. So it doesn't look like he's missing a lot of games, but he is. He and, and the lack of touchdowns in his career is like, I mean, I blame that directly on Matt Ryan, but the lack of touchdowns in his career also didn't like. He always was going a little too high for my blood. But with that being said, he's obviously great. Rumor has it that the Titans have become the leader in the clubhouse. There's also a rumor that the Rams have offered a first-round pick in 2023, I heard, um, because they don't have any more picks, and that's the first. The Rams are just going for it, man. Imagine yeah. Julio Jones, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, Tyler Higby, Matt Stafford. Hot damn. Yeah, that uh, sounds like a very powerful offense. Um, even Daryl Henderson is like the be- one of the better backups in the league. Um, but with that being said... Uh, how do you, a lot of people on Twitter were just like setting uh, this is uh, like with memes of I mean your gifts of like burning houses like this is this is where your AJ a. Brown wide receiver one talk lives or something like that and then they're like people aren't considering that if Julio Jones gets there he's not going to get enough targets to be this and that and this and that so my question is to you if he does go to Tennessee how does that change Tennessee. your vision? Tennessee. Tennessee. Um, how does that change your vision of AJ Brown? I mean, look, we've we've been banging the AJ Brown drum forever, right? Like we've been huge fans of AJ Brown since he came out, um, especially because of Ryan Tannehill, right? The true value king. When you are a athletic specimen like AJ Brown is, who's a very very good football player, and you end up with the most efficient quarterback in the league. Good things are bound to happen, and they certainly have his first two years in the season. And look, Julio Jones going there, of course, that would maybe limit his upside a little bit. But we're talking about a very centric offense where it's really, really just filters through Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, mixing the other guys, right? I mean, like, Corey Davis had his games. Johnny Smith had his games. But really, it's centered around Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. And if Julio Jones gets there, goes there, 
You would be shocked if Julio Jones and A.J. Brown each see eight-plus targets a game. No. I wouldn't. No. I think that would be expected. Right. Um. I mean, that's only 16 pass attempts that would have to be directed towards one of those two, and I don't think that's uh, that's really something that wouldn't happen. And we're talking about Ryan Tannehill, super efficient. Julio Jones would open the field up even more for A.J. Brown. Imagine A.J. Brown and Julio Jones lining up on each side of the field with Derrick Henry in the backfield. Like, you can't stack the box. If you do stack the box, you have either Brown or Julio one-on-one on the outside. Like, it would be absurd. And A.J. Brown played last season with, like, broken knees, too. And he still absolutely dominated. After that, he posted that video, like, super high after his surgery (laughs) talking about it. That shit was amazing. A.J. Brown is quite a character on social media these days. I love it. Um, Seems like a good-hearted dude. Yeah, but like if if Julio did end up going to um, Tennessee and it knocked down AJ Brown's ADP, I'm probably just gonna gobble it up because last year we loved AJ Brown at ADP and that was clearly a home run. Um, I don't see how AJ Brown like I don't see him not being a beast. Like the dude's an absolute monster. It's it's very very easy. All you gotta do is watch one Tennessee Titans game, and you'd be like, "Wow, this guy is a very very good football player." And not to talk too much about the Titans, but I've been seeing the the wheels start turning on people getting their hot takes ready that this is the year Derrick Henry falls off because it's been three straight years of him being getting this crazy workload. I will say this. In the fantasy world, everyone thinks 30 is the number where big-time running backs fall off. It's not actually the age 30. It's the 1,800 carry mark. That's where a workhorse running back usually starts to fall off, and Derrick Henry is nowhere near in danger of passing that mark this season. So if you are telling me that this superhuman of a man, this legitimate Hulk of a man is less durable then history says, I just will say, nah, man. Uh, so I think that Derrick Henry, it's going to be interesting to see where he falls as these rumors start uh, circulating and circulating. Like, oh, could this be the year Derrick Henry falls off? And you see, like, that's always a, that I feel like that take is going to um, gain steam. It's going to be the, to tie baseball into this, because I'm a huge fantasy baseball fan as well, at Brodo Dugout. Um or the Brodo Dugout, another patron perk. Um, direct access to me to ask questions and such. There's a few patrons who take advantage of that. Um, was I saying? Yeah, I feel like Derrick Henry could be uh, parallel to uh, like a Nelson Cruz. Every single year, it's, yeah, Nelson Cruz is too old now. Now he's going to drop off. And every single year, Nelson Cruz is just an absolute monster who ends up returning huge value at ADP. Derrick Henry... He's going in the first round, so it's not like Nelson Cruz who gets drafted in, like, the 8th to 10th round. But, yeah, Derrick Henry, as long as he's chugging, like, at some point, he's going to he's going to fall off. Like, that's what happens to running backs. We saw it with Todd Gurley. You see it with every single running back. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to believe it'll be this year. Um, just ride him for, for what it's worth, uh, especially in, like, in Dynasty – I actually would be I sell I sold Derrick Henry last season in Dynasty in our uh, proto Dynasty League. I you gotta Derrick be Henry. you gotta be regretting that at this point. No, I traded Derrick Henry away for T Higgins and Joe Mixon. I don't have any regrets about that. You should. I do not. Stupid. It was a stupid. <laughs> it was a stupid one. Um, I mean, a lot of people also don't remember that Derrick Henry was basically considered a bust the first two years of his career and basically splitting carries with Deion Lewis man yeah yeah Mike Malarkey good job there Terry Rabisky there's a reason why we don't know your name Terry Rabisky offensive former offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans because you got Derrick Henry splitting carries with Deion Lewis you ever see the uh I haven't seen it in ages but there's like a picture of Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis side by side (laughs) dude Derrick Henry is like double Deion Lewis and they like Bro, they went a whole season. You're going, you're going in, you're going way back to with Deion Lewis. I'm talking even more than that. He had him splitting carries with Demar, the the skeleton, the ghost of Demarco Murray, in DeMarco 2017. Murray. Wow. And uh, hold on, I'm getting the other one. And DeMarco, Deion Lewis was more recent. Demarco Murray. Well, Demarco Murray had a good year the year before, and then they, and when they had Derrick Henry and Demarco Murray as like a tag team, but bro. 
DeMarco uh, Murray is another example of a running back falling off. He was a star that just whoop, one day was done. I mean, his his year his age twenty eight year is pretty good. He had twelve total touchdowns, fifty three receptions for three hundred seventy seven yards, twelve hundred eighty seven rushing yards. That was Derrick Henry's rookie year, so he was probably a a little a little like oh they just drafted this this, this giant man. Uh, but either way, like he they were giving he was considered a bust, and then his first year where he took over. He kind of saved this season in the last four games, and that kept, and that and that that had made everyone kind of get in on him. But the reason I say that is because the first two years he didn't have that workload. You know, it's not like he's been doing this forever. Derrick Henry's only been really dominant the last two seasons, even though he's been in the league for five. So I think it's uh, I think it's uh important to note that when you're talking about Derrick Henry and the tread on his tires. Uh, speaking of tread on tires. The place where you have to consider tread on tires the most is Dynasty because if you make a bad Dynasty pick, you're saddled with this guy forever. Or if you want to draft Derrick Henry in Dynasty, where should you do it? Well, we have a guy who's got the answers. His name is Ryan McDell. He is the godfather of the Dynasty format in fantasy, and he is joining us on the Real Recognized Real Hotline right now. And we are now ready for the Real Recognized Real segment of the podcast where we have the one and only Ryan McDowell joining us. Ryan is a Dynasty writer, co-owner of DLF Football. He runs a Scott Fishbowl with Scott Fish. He's basically the godfather of fantasy, of Dynasty fantasy football. And you could also find him on Twitter, literally conversing with anybody who reaches out to him. He's one of the best Twitter follows as well. Very happy to have him on. Ryan, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Very, very kind words there. I'll, I'll try to live up to that uh, through our chat tonight. Uh, well, but before we get into anything, uh, the Scott Fishbowl has kind of taken a um, this exploding. This it's kind of exploded uh, throughout the years. I remember uh, the first Scott Fishbowl I played with was Scott Fishbowl Nine, and I feel like now, even two years later, it's already so much bigger than it was then. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like what goes on behind the scenes with that, what your, what your role is with that? And, uh, you know, what, for, for the people who don't know about it, it, it's a great, it's for a great cause. And if you could tell them about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Scott fish, who is, uh, if, if you play fantasy football, you probably know Scott, but, um, he formerly ran a site of his own called FF Oasis and he started, uh, he started this tournament uh, years ago, I guess, I guess 11 or 12 years ago now, uh, basically as, as a way to bring the members of his site, the users of his site together, one big tournament. And when I say big, I think there were, I think there were 60 people in the first one. He, he would obviously know for sure, but it certainly not like it is today. Um, so it continued to grow over the years when Scott closed his site um, he, he had to rename it. Someone suggested the Scott fish bowl, which obviously is just, you know, just the perfect name. I mean, what, a, what a great name for that. Um, so, and then he, he began, uh, adding the charity aspect. And, and I think that's, that's really what helped it to grow, you know, that, uh, encouraging people to help others, um, specifically over the years, it's been Toys for Tots that has been kind of the main, um, the main recipient of, of most of the donations. But uh, I know last year, especially just with all that was going on in the world, Scott encouraged people to not limit your donations to Toys for Tots, uh, but, but really whatever you feel strongly about, uh, whatever you feel passionately about. So, um, yeah, you're, you're totally right. It, it continues to grow every year. Uh, I would say I got involved probably three or four years ago. The just again as as it continued to grow, once we got over, you know, over a thousand people in in the league, uh, Scott needed a little help uh, running things, <laughs> uh, getting things set up. Uh, he he does he does so much uh, on his own, but uh, I was glad to step in. We had become good friends through fantasy football, through running different leagues. Um. So yeah, on, on, on the back end, kind of behind the curtain, uh, basically we have uh, a site that Scott has set up and everybody that has signed up for SFB shows up on that page. 
and we kind of decide where they go. Do they, do they get into the league? Do they, um, you know, unfortunately, do they not? And I mean, we've got over 10,000 people signed up, so we hate, hate to turn people away, but we also realize uh, we, we can't open the floodgates quite that much. Um, the people, so once people, sorry, the people behind the scenes, like you running that those you're the real MVPs that, that sounds well, like uh, hard work. Well, Scott, Scott's the real MVP and, and everybody <laughs> donating, everybody supporting. I'm, I'm just glad to help out. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there's, there's little power trip moments in there that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this guy in, or I'm going to say no to this guy or whatever. Um, so that's a little fun too. Um, but yeah, w- once, once the league is full, then we start placing, uh, into divisions. Of course, there's a theme every year this year is, music so we're already hearing uh from from people that are have been invited about what you know their favorite band what division they want to be in who they want to play against all of those things so uh we are um i mean we're like gosh guys we're like three weeks away from this thing we've got a lot of work to do i hope scott doesn't hear that he'll he'll panic a little bit (laughs) yeah it's crazy that we're only what nine weeks away now from the start of spring training i honestly can't wait. Michael's but, in baseball um, mode, uh, not spring yeah. training. Hey, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but you, uh, uh, besides the Scott Fishbowl, you are the co-owner. You write, you podcast for Dynasty League Football. You have endless Dynasty information on that site, Devi information. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got that going and just your background in Dynasty football? Because that, it used to be like more of a niche product. I feel like Dynasty right. has just, over the past five or so years, has just exploded. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the numbers tell us that fantasy football as a whole is growing. And I think all of the, um, you know, subcategories of that are are feeling that. Certainly DFS is, obviously. Um, but I think Dynasty is, has been um, a, a big grower as well, as you said. So uh, I joined a DLF um, nearly 10 years ago. I think it was, I believe it was in 2012. Uh, I was asked to come on as a writer. I was one of the one of the first writers they they hired, um, and when I say they, there were there were three founding members of DLF. We're talking uh, about fifteen or sixteen years ago, and uh, they brought in one other partner along the way. So there there were basically four people doing all the work uh, to run that site, and then they started bringing in some writers. I was one of those, and it really just kind of stayed active, worked my way up. Uh, to a senior writer position, to more of a leadership role, and then eventually uh, was brought into the the ownership team. And uh, since since that happened, that's been nearly two years ago now. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't had much time to to write, which I, I still enjoy and and try to find time uh, fi- try to find time for as much as I can. And as you said, Michael, we we do have really everything the dynasty player might need to succeed and, and build a contending team. Uh, obviously, we're churning out content every day. We've got rankings for every format you can imagine, including Devi, including IDP. Um, we even have some rankings that that I came up with a few years called a few years ago called Cornerstone Rankings. Uh, basically, that that includes uh, the current rookie class, the most recent rookie class, and the upcoming rookie class. So you take those mm. three groups of players, three years of players, put them together. Those those players need to be the cornerstone of your dynasty team. We've got those uh, tons of tools there as well. Um, and podcast, every, everything you might need is over there. Dynasty league football. All right. So if that's the case, then I got to get into this dynasty stuff because for us here, we are redraft. Um, we've been getting into dynasty the last few years, but we're not here pretending as if we are anywhere close to Ryan's level here because Ryan's been doing this for years. Right? So Let's get this insight. The first thing I want to ask you about is as a fan, um, Zach Wilson plays for my favorite team. He throws to Elijah Moore. I see a lot of people debating Elijah Moore's value, and everything I've been hearing is Elijah Moore has been um, has been great so far. What is your – where would you put Elijah Moore in this rookie class, and how, where, how high would you be willing to go – Let's say if you're a wide receiver needy team, how high would you be willing to go in your rookie drafts to get Elijah Moore? 
So right now, um, Elijah Moore is the wide receiver five coming off the board in dynasty rookie drafts. Uh, and he's just sneaking into that first round. He's the 12th player overall. Uh, this, this ADP data comes from uh, drafts that are held on my fantasy league. So these are actual drafts. We do some mock drafts as well at DLF. And, um, but this data that I'm talking about tonight comes from actual rookie drafts. We've got over 600 one quarterback uh, rookie drafts in the books. We've got over a thousand super flex rookie drafts in the book. So a huge sample size here. Elijah Moore is the 12th overall player, wide receiver five. I think he's a value at that point. It's it's just a strong wide receiver class. I think we're looking at last year's and expecting it to duplicate that. Probably not going to. I mean, you you look at some of the talents from that class last year, but that's that's not to take anything away. I'm really excited about Elijah Moore. Uh, I think he honestly, I think all three. Um, all three of those Jets rookies that they they drafted with, uh, I believe their first four picks in the draft, uh, Wilson, Carter, and and more, are being undervalued right now. Yeah, uh, Michael Carter is interesting. I'm gonna have to agree with you there because I mean that running back room is is wide open um, with Tevin Coleman really and Ty Johnson like the two guys really standing in his way. So it's gonna be interesting to see how he's utilized. And now the Matt the Michael Floor offense there in New York. Um, I also wanted to ask you about the unicorn, the one and only Kyle Pitts, um, headed over to Atlanta, fourth overall, highest tight end ever. I think everyone who's been playing fantasy for a long time knows the mantra of, you know, rookie tight ends never pan out. Don't go ahead and draft a rookie tight end. That's redraft. We're talking to you about Dynasty. Kyle Pitts is supposed to be this revolutionary, really game changing tight end. How high are you willing to go for a guy like Kyle Pitts? Because even in non-premium tight end leagues, I see Kyle Pitts going 101 in some of them. And it's a little too rich for my taste, but are you okay with that move? Um, it, it's a little too rich for my taste as well, but but not too far off. I have him ranked second overall in one quarterback leagues. I've got Jamar Chase first. Uh, so I'm taking, I'm taking pass catchers with those first two picks. Uh, if I've got them in a super flex league, it's very, very different. I'm, I'm certainly moving some of the quarterbacks ahead of him, but Pitts is already the tight end three, according to uh, our dynasty startup ADP behind wow. only Kelsey and Kittle. So he's ahead of Darren Waller. He's ahead of, uh, you know, Mark Andrews, Hawkinson fan, all of those guys that, uh, you know, could be, could be moving into that top tier soon, potentially. Uh, he's, he's already being valued essentially like an established superstar. Um, I, I'm a little worried about what you talked about there, like how quickly can he produce? But uh, of course we have these, these Julio Jones rumors that uh, yeah. more and more are looking like uh, only a matter of time before he's off that team. So I'm, I'm excited about Calvin Ridley. So if Julio is, is ultimately traded and it certainly looks like he will be at this point, um, Obviously, that leaves that leaves Kyle Pitts in in a great position to uh, to produce right away, along with along with Calvin Ridley. I'm excited about both of those guys, uh, not only for this season but but the long term. I noticed that when you were answering that question to Michael, you said that the first two picks in your in your draft would be pass catchers. So you would put Najee Harris as the third pick in your in your in your dynasty startup, if it, in a one quarterback. Uh, yeah, I would actually. I actually prefer Etn in. Uh, okay. Nice. Yeah, I prefer Travis Etn over Najee Harris. They're they're very close. Um, if we're talking about a redraft league, I, I would take Harris. But in Dynasty, I've got Etn higher. So my question going off that is, I have a theory, and I I have no, I haven't really had any actual real life data to back this theory that it is more valuable to draft a wide receiver than a running back early in dynasty drafts because they have a longer shelf life. Do you, is that something that you think is in your experience off base or is that something, does that sound like a sound strategy uh, when you're drafting? I mean, that's, that's always the decision because even, even if you love the talent and you know, we love the talent of Najee Harris, we love the talent of Travis Etienne, but um, just the way the NFL works these days, you know, recently over the past few years, you're happy to get that that rookie contract out of a player, right? And and once once a running back turns even even 25, 26 years old, 
we're ready to move on. And in many, in many instances, NFL teams are ready to move on too. I mean, we saw even with some of the top running backs, like, like Dalvin cook and, and Joe Mixon, their teams were a little hesitant to give them that big payday. Ultimately they got it. Um, but we've seen what happens when these running backs do hit free agency, you know, they rarely get that, that big contract that they want. So when you're in a rookie draft, that's the decision you have to make. Do, do you want to take that player that can potentially produce for you right away, but maybe only for two to three years, or do you want the wide receiver who might give you eight or nine years, uh, but you may have to wait a little bit longer. Um, the other thing that we have to consider right now is just the depth of the wide receiver position. Uh, I mean, we're talking about uh, 40 or 50 wideouts that are, are fantasy relevant every single week or, or any given week. And I mean, even, even a guy like uh, Michael Gallup, who is a, a pretty solid, steady producer, he's outside of our top 50 wide receivers right now. So that wow. that's just kind of an example of, of the depth of the group as a whole. So Again, when you're deciding between Chase or Harris, you have to factor all of those things in. Keeping it in the uh, ADP area here, um, obviously there's some people draft their rookie drafts uh, prior to the NFL draft. Some people like to wait till after the NFL draft. It really does make a significant difference um, when it comes to guys like Najee Harris landing up landing in Pittsburgh and. Is there a specific time that you like to draft? Like, do you prefer pre-NFL draft or do you like knowing the landing spots before you head into your rookie drafts? I still prefer uh, after the, the NFL draft. I, I think, you know, we, we have seen some, uh, well, we've seen more and more uh, drafts taking place before the NFL draft. I know uh, Matthew Berry was, was tweeting about that uh, earlier this year. And I, I kind of had a, a conversation with him about that. We actually included that in our uh, Commission Impossible newsletter that that Scott Fish and I run. Um, it, you know, it's it's fine. It certainly adds some um, a, a different level of strategy, I guess you could say. You, you mm -hmm. really have to put in uh, more work in uh, researching and studying these players. You can't just let the NFL tell you what to think of them based on draft capital and, and landing spot. Uh, so I, I like the idea of it, but for me, I still prefer after the draft. Speaking of knowing about these players and knowing landing spots and things of that nature, another popular um, type of fantasy game has been arising. I've noticed on Twitter mostly, to be honest, is Devi Leagues, which I just recently learned is – Leaves where you actually draft players that are currently in college. Um, that That's a little too much for me personally, but <laughs> I know a lot of people out there that would, if they knew it, that existed, would be into that. With that being said, is there a guy that you are already kind of drafting in Devi Leagues or looking at the future towards next year that we should keep an eye on in the upcoming season? Is there a, maybe a, 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 a few guys if you have them? Sure. Yeah, there, there's quite a few and um, it, it's a great format. I, I definitely understand uh, some people might think that that's a little too far. Uh, Tim, I, I won't tell you that there are some Devi leagues out there where you can actually draft high school players. Oh my goodness. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's insane. Those, those are, those are <laughs> off limits for me. I, I, <laughs> I, I stay away from those leagues, but uh, they're, they're out there and you know, there's something for everybody, I guess. Uh, but I do play in a lot of Devi leagues. They are uh, certainly fun. And again, add another level of, uh, of strategy to playing dynasty. Uh, I mean, right now, you know, we're, we're a year out, but right now does not look like a very strong 2022 class That's overall. Disappointing. Um, yeah. If, if, if you're looking ahead and, and stocking up on draft picks, you want to do that in 2023, the 2023 running back class looks Looks very strong, but there's a couple names to know for next year. Uh, running backs, especially Brees Hall is the running back from Iowa State. Isaiah Spiller from uh, from Texas A&M. Both of those players have have uh, been very productive already and will be uh, be eligible to be drafted next year. So uh, if we're ranking right now, those are probably the two favorite uh, favorite options to be the top two picks in, in rookie drafts next year. 
I have I have two first round picks next year. You have just uh, you've disappointed me. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, well, <laughs> there's there's some other guys that might be okay too. Maybe your voice is telling me one thing and your face is telling me another. <laughs> Tim's going to uh, go to our dynasty league after this and start shopping. Just, his just start shopping the one thousand percent. I'm gonna go start shopping. Yeah, just just hope that they're uh, they're they're the top two picks. There you go. <laughs> to uh, to unless, dive the, in. unless they're your picks, Tim. Then... <laughs> <laughs> To dive into the uh, the nitty gritty of your dynasty mind, um, sleepers and busts are always uh, popular topics in the fantasy world. There's always going to be players who go late who hit. There's always going to be players who go high who really bust when no one really expects it, like a Trent Richardson, for example. Um, are there is there a specific player um, that you really think could shine? That was a that's going in the second or third round in rookie drafts, and do you think there's a player? going in the first round of rookie drafts that you're more weary of? Um, yeah, so in first round, um, let, we, we already mentioned this name, Michael Carter. Um, <laughs> so I, I like the player. I certainly like the opportunity. I mean, we saw the report that, uh, to, earlier today, I believe, that um, that he's, he's going to be the lead back, you know, sooner rather than later, I think was the, the wording I saw. Um, he's going 11th overall, and and for me that that's just a little bit rich. He's he's going ahead of Elijah Moore, who I certainly, uh, you know, I already kind of told you I, I prefer wide receivers to running backs in general. Uh, I'm taking Moore. He's going ahead of Terrace Marshall, Rondale Moore, um, and actually I think I might take a couple of the quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, ahead of Michael Carter as well. So, uh, like I said, I definitely don't mind the player or. Uh, and and love the opportunity. He, he could be the Jets' week one starter potentially, uh, but just a little too high for for my taste. Um, looking into the second round, there's um, gosh, there's quite a few. Diami Brown with Washington. Uh, he's actually being drafted early in the third round. Uh, definitely interested in him. He could be that speed option for for Ryan Fitzpatrick there in Washington. Amari Rogers is going 23rd overall. Uh, Packers wide receiver, you know, we waited and waited and and waited even longer for the Packers to finally draft a wide receiver. Uh, I know Aaron Rodgers got got fed up with it, and we did as well. Um, but they finally finally spend a pick on Amari Rodgers. Not that big name that we were hoping for, certainly, but um, I, I, I like the opportunity for him as well. You mentioned these guys just now, and. This is one of the more interesting questions in my mind when approaching dynasty drafts is how are you approaching a guy like Trey Lance or let's even say a Mac Jones where these guys don't have don't have locked in starting spots or they don't have Andy Dalton in front of them. So, you know, Justin Fields is not going to be held off by Andy Dalton for long, but they have established quarterbacks in front of them that in the Patriots case it's a completely different offense. And then yeah. in, in the in the 49ers case, like this is a team that took this quarterback took this team to the Super Bowl two seasons ago. It wasn't that long ago. So you could see Jimmy G staying in charge for a while while they let Trey Lance uh learn, kind of like the Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes year with Kansas City. So knowing that, how are you approaching these these guys in your dynasty drafts, or how do you approach quarterbacks who you know won't start right away in general, but probably have a good chance to be stars when they do? Well, again, yeah, I mean, you have to base this on what the NFL teams are telling us. Um, they uh, these five quarterbacks were all drafted in the first round and in the top half of the first round, in fact. Um, so I'm viewing all of them as uh, future starters, whether that's week one in, in Zach Wilson and, and Trevor Lawrence's case, or if we have to wait a little bit longer, even if we have to wait a year. So if, if the, that situation gives me any kind of discount and um, those guys fall into the second or third round because of that, I want to take advantage of that. Uh, you also certainly have to consider the individual situation. You know, I, I wouldn't have said that, that same answer about Jordan Love last year. Mm -hmm. Um that, that just felt like a different situation than any of these five. Um, I, I mean, specifically in Mac Jones' case, I mean, Cam Newton was was pretty bad last year. Yeah. I won't be surprised if he is not even on that week one roster. Mm. Ooh, uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't give him much money. Uh, he, he, you know, 
struggled. He ultimately ultimately failed last year. Yeah. I think if if Mac Jones can show that he's ready by week one uh, or or leading up to week one, I think they could just cut Cam Newton and and go with Mac Jones and uh, you know whoever they want as a backup. Uh, but you know, big picture, these five guys are going to be starters, and and I think they're all going to be starters this season. Michael, before you uh, before you ask your question, just an anecdote, like, and you're talking about Bill Belichick as well, who people don't give this much, enough credit to the fact that when Tom Brady took over for Drew Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe came back during that year healthy, and they said no. And Belichick said, no, this guy's clearly better than you, and we're just going (laughs) to keep going with that. And you're not talking about a scrub here. You're talking about Drew Bledsoe, who was one of the best quarterbacks in the league for years. So I I think that, you know, if he has no problem sitting Drew Bledsoe, uh, who I think was in a Super Bowl with the Patriots when they played the the Packers, I'm not sure that's a long time ago, but uh, I think he was a quarterback for the Patriots. So, I mean, if he could sit him, I know it was a long time ago, but he could definitely sit sit Cam. So just, just a little anecdote. Yeah. Uh, so we were discussing uh, Michael Carter quite a bit earlier, and I feel like I don't have the numbers in front of me, um, but he was certainly one of the ADP risers post-NFL oh, yes. drafts, landing with the Jets. There's always going to be guys who fall off and guys who uh, rise up significantly based on landing spots um, other than Michael Carter. Um, it was there who who are a couple guys who really rose up or shot down boards based on landing spots? Uh, Trey Sermon was another one. Uh, I mean, we we basically knew who the top three running backs would be uh, in, in Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. And then there was a big gap from those guys to everyone else. Uh, it it was going to be a a matter of situation and and draft capital. Who would be that RB four, that RB five? And it, it's Trey Sermon uh, drafted by the 49ers and Michael Carter with the Jets. And both of those guys have not only gained quite a bit of value, they're both going in the first round of those one quarterback leagues. So uh, those those are two big ones. I already mentioned uh, Amari Rogers. He's been another player. Uh, he was basically looking like a late third, maybe a fourth rounder, according to that pre-NFL draft ADP, which again, smaller sample size certainly, but uh, he he was far down the list. Let's say that now he's now he's in that late second round range. Um, as far as fallers, I, I would say the the other running backs who didn't benefit from from that landing spot and, and draft capital. Kenneth Gainwell was a player that uh, we thought might be that late first round pick. He's more of a late second rounder. He falls, I believe, he was drafted in the sixth round, fifth or sixth round uh, by Philly. So he he has fallen quite a bit. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, same thing. Thought he might he might be that RB four. He, now he's more like RB six or seven. Uh, looking to uh, to back up Christian McCaffrey there. He's a late second rounder as well. Um, Tylen Wallace was another another player that fell quite a bit further than expected. Uh, Baltimore ultimately drafted him uh, uh, on day three. I I kind of like him. He's a player I'm taking advantage of the fall on. Uh, he's all the way down to 31 overall uh, and, and was a guy that looked like he maybe could be a late first, early second round pick in, in rookie drafts. Uh, you mentioned earlier about your cornerstone rankings and yep. those those seem extremely cool. So I want to ask you about the first part of that cornerstone, the second year guys that are going into this year. Um, do you have anyone on your radar that, maybe undervalued going into this season because of a lackluster rookie season. And, and you know, these days every it needs to be everyone needs their results right away. And if they don't get yeah. their results right away, they they say, oh, forget this guy. Is there anyone that you think is being forgotten a little too early? We've seen some players lose some value. Um, and I, I talked about the wide receiver class uh, last year. Of course, it was Justin Jefferson and uh, and C.D. Lamb. T. Higgins had a big year. Um, but not every wide receiver produced right away. And and if they didn't, they lost value. Jerry Judy is is a big one, I think. Um, he, he's not cheap. You know, you're, you're not going to trade a, a second rounder and pick up Jerry Judy or anything like that. But he's he's quite a bit cheaper than where he was uh, a year ago, and and he's a player I'm trying to acquire because of that. What what about any player that uh, 
that you think may have over overdone it in his rookie season and maybe it's being yeah. overvalued um well higgins higgins is a tough one uh before the nfl draft he he had moved into the top 10 uh wide receivers based on adp and based on our rankings at dlf and uh of course adding jamar chase changes that quite a bit so i wouldn't say t higgins you know overperformed or or, or anything like that as a rookie uh, but I think his, his opportunities are, are certainly going to be hurt by Jamar Chase. So uh, he would be one. Um, let's see. I mean, Jalen Hurts is another tough one to figure out, right? I mean, he certainly produced when he was on the field. He played three full games, and he averaged over 30 fantasy points per game in those three. Uh, but at the same time, it's just the question. I mean, it's kind of what we dealt with with Lamar Jackson a few years ago. Yeah. Josh Allen a couple of years ago, like, can this guy be a real NFL quarterback? And until we have that answer, his, his value is just kind of in limbo. And uh, some people are going all in on him. And I mean, if he's the next Lamar Jackson, they're, they're going to hit in a big way. Michael, you're on mute. <laughs> Michael does this once an episode. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> right, check that box. <laughs> Before we let you go, Ryan, I wanted to ask you about a, I guess a, a cryptic tweet. I guess cryptic has like a negative connotation, but I don't really know like a positive connotation for cryptic. But <laughs> okay, you said uh, coming soon from DLF football and safe leagues, your new favorite dynasty league with some oh, eye yes. emojis. You want to let us in a little bit on that? Or is that like a secret sauce type of thing? <laughs> well, I can give you some history. So uh, last year, DLF partnered with Safe Leagues. And and again, we, we keep talking about it. And that's Scott Fish that runs those leagues over there. Uh, so we partnered together to create um, the DLF Cup Champion Series Leagues. It's uh, it, it was a unique format that, that Scott came up with. Basically, four leagues uh, combined in one. Uh, there was there's a point system, and ultimately, if, if you come out ahead as the top point scorer, and this is not fantasy points, but it's uh, you earn a certain amount of points if you win your league, if you're the top scoring team, things like that. Um, but ultimately, after a three year period, if you are the top scoring team, you win a thousand dollar bonus on top of your other winnings that you've earned. So um, that was that was a great format. Uh, we got together and talked with Scott uh, over the past couple weeks, past few months, and and thought, should we should we open up more of these leagues? Should we do this same thing again? And ultimately, we decided let's come up with something a little bit different. And we've done that. Uh, we've got something different. Those leagues are going to be opening very soon, and and you'll definitely get more details. I can't wait. I'm yeah, uh, sounds- I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. They're they're going to be fun. Uh, I need to check with Scott and see if I'm allowed to play in those because I, I want to. We need to find that out. <laughs> um, Ryan McDowell, thank you so much for joining us today on the Real Recognize Real Hotline. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for everything you do in the fantasy community. We appreciate you. For those listening to Ryan for the first time and who may be living under a fantasy rock and do not know the name Ryan McDowell, Ryan, uh, please tell them where they can find you. Sure. You can find all of my work at dynastyleaguefootball.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23. And I've got a few podcasts out there. I tweet those out as well. So uh, follow along and, and you can listen in on those also. Thank you so much. And thank you for for joining us. And thank you for giving us the insight on uh, on these Dynasty Leagues. I'm, I, I'm honestly going to go shop my first round picks as soon as we get off this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Take it sorry. easy, man. Ryan McDowell, ladies and gentlemen. Pleasure. You hear that's the second time on the on the show. I, I really like talking to him, man. The dynasty go. Yeah, he's a he's a like just listening to him, you could tell he he has a lot of experience in the dynasty football world and a very uh very smart dude. I I love his southern drawl as well. I'm not gonna lie, but I have a something about southern drawl gets me. I think it's because I'm a I'm a Yankee. I'm a city boy, so like uh, I don't hear it that that often. So when and we I don't hear really it it, 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 it jumps out. We we were supposed to go to um, Texas last year, yes. Um, but COVID said no to that. But I haven't been to like the only area of America in the South that I've been to is like Florida and Vegas across that like South Coast. I haven't been to that like Texas area at all in my life. I don't think that like the Bible Belt 
and lower. Yeah. I don't think that Vegas is considered the south. Yeah, I mean, it's like s- s- the West. south part of America. It's on, like, the the coast. So, like, it's... Un- well, not coast. It's on the, uh, like, Mexico, you it's, know. It's and- latitude is a... <laughs> It's on the southern border of America, is what I meant to say. Is it not? I I'm really bad it's with you. Really not. It's really not. It's like not for sure not. I got I got to look yeah. up a map. <laughs> Nevada is landlocked, but it's very close to. I mean, this. is it north? No, but I don't think it's south either. <laughs> okay, it's like right. how they call the middle of the country the Midwest. Like, why is it Midwest? Yeah, I don't see. That's always confused me too. Why is it not like I? I, you can, I guess you can't call it the Middle East. Oh, yeah. See, I'm bugging out. I'm thinking of Arizona on the map. Like, Arizona is south. Right. Like Arizona. Uh, but even them, they're not like the south. They're not considered like south. Yeah, it's all confusing. And I suck with geography. It's it's bad. Like, Guys. if I... if You know those uh those tests that you have to do, like, fill in the map? I'd, I'd get, like, New York, Florida, Texas, California. I'd probably end up with, like, 14 correct or something. <laughs> So as as a social studies teacher, I am personally offended by that. I will tell you. Yeah, and I like. I mean, and I do like in my work outside of Brodo, like compliance work with states and. You do. I've I've looked at maps and shit. I just it just doesn't register in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny <laughs> you you deal with these states all the time. Like Michael will tell you what the 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 betting like protocols are in Illinois, but ask him to. To just point out Illinois on a map, and people are like, "Uh, uh anyway." No, sir, that's Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Though, if you if you didn't know, they're not even close to near each other. Exactly. That's yeah. I know that at least. You know that that much. I actually want to go to Utah, but anyway, that is neither here nor there. We could talk for days. Um, Michael, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. They can find Jason at Brodo FF Jason. You can find Cass at Brodo FF Casanova. And you can find me at Brodo FF Tim. You see what we did there? Um, hey, Patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy. BrodoFantasy.com. And of course, download the Brodo app, please, yo. Also, um, we're really kicking it into high gear with uh, Redraft um, as well these days. Yep. We're getting our. 1.0 rankings churning. Sure. We already completed a, a QB and running back episode, wide receiver and tight ends to follow. Um, so check those out as well if you are, if you haven't yet, if you're a new listener or if you are a listener of old and you missed those podcasts, go ahead and check those out because we've been churning them out weekly, even during the off season, folks. Uh, I really don't have anything else uh, to add to that. Thank you, for Ryan McDowell, for coming on the show. Thank you, everyone who has Great ears uh, for listening. Um, and those who don't have ears, thank you for finding a way to listen without ears. That's remarkable. <laughs> See ya. You, uh, you blow my mind sometimes. <laughs> Later. Later.